Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. It is halftime in our study of the book of Acts as we are going to arrive at the halfway point. And in it, we are going to see a major shift, not only in the book, but also in what God was doing then. And I pray, I pray that God may continue to shift things in your heart as we're continually focusing on and looking at this study on how we can grow closer to God. Well, I pray that something truly shifts today. Today kind of marks a cool little moment in that we are at the halfway mark, uh, halfway uh, point. So it's kind of like halftime right now. And so we are halfway and there's a, a shift that is beginning to happen for some of us that we've been watching. There's a shift that's been, that's been happening in this book. And uh, the, the book of Acts is one that is divided into three sections. Section one was all focused on what God was doing in Jerusalem with the Christians and Jews. Section two was everything that was happening to the neighboring Uh, like Samaria and the whole nation. But section three is the one that we're going to look at today. And section three takes on the rest of the theme of the book of Acts. And so there's a lot of shifting now where the first half of the book of Acts is all about Peter. You see Peter is the main focus as God is doing something in his life. But now we're going to begin starting now. And from here for the rest of the book, we're going to see now the shift from Peter to Paul. And so there's something unique that God is doing, not only in Peter's life, through his life, but it has impacted us today. So there's a lot of shifting. And there's one thing that I pray that may shift in your heart. It's one thing that I pray that may shift in your heart. Because one of the things that we've been looking at over the whole year, really, was how do we grow in our faith? What does it mean to be Christians? What does it mean to be a believer in Christ? And how do we grow closer to God? That has been a theme every single day. So if you've ever wondered, it was like, well, I feel far from God and how do I? Well, we've been answering that and we'll continue to answer that even today. And if you just love God and you feel close and like, I just want more, like I get it, you know, I get it. Again, it was like this, uh, what was this conversation I was having with somebody where uh, we were looking at v- vanilla wafers, right? It was, I don't know, this is an awkward conversation, but I don't know about you, but a normal person cannot eat just two or three vanilla wafers. You got to eat the whole box, right? And so you, you, once you eat one, you got to eat the rest. And so if you're like that with God, right, if Jesus is like a vanilla wafer for you and you're like, man, this is good. I want more. All right, cool. And we've been looking at a lot of things that you could do and avoid. But I want to say today is probably going to be, and this is where I want something to shift, your opinion to shift, because we're probably, I'm going to tell you something today that will grow your faith faster than anything else and deeper than your relationship with God would grow deeper. If we did this one thing, thing is that it's not popular. And that's why I pray that your opinion may shift because it's not popular to do it. Again, it's the most powerful and not only biblically, but historically. Every time this happens to believers, man, it's, that's the result. And the thing is opposition to your faith. That is the one thing that I pray shifts is the opposition to your faith because that's the reality of it. And that's one thing I don't want to deny. There's a lot of times we look at like that and people just kind of want to downplay stuff or deny things or, or, or look for ways around it. But no, again, this is one of the most powerful moments and ways in which you can grow in your faith. And it's your opinion on what it means to be opposed So we have a lot of uh, Christians, for example, you may be a closet Christian, right? You you sing loud on a Sunday, but come Monday, you know, that kind of happens, right? And depending on where you are, you're not sure. And and I get it. It could be frustrating. You could be at your work. I'm like, well, how how far do I go? Where's the line? I know I'm going to help you with that a little bit today. But there's a lot of times we just don't want to say things because we don't want to kick the hornet's nest, right? We don't want to do that. And then, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, me personally, even just this week, I mean, just seeing the, uh, uh, the reaction to the tragedies even that was happening this week, last couple of weeks, and every, any, anytime there's a tragedy, right? I mean, I'm seeing a massive uptick trend of not just the dismissive things on, 
oh, you know, here are the Christians praying again. I mean, it, I, I, I've seen it grow from, here are the silly Christians praying, here's the silly Christians praying, to now this, like, vitriol. It's like this, like, it's different. And so, and I know it. And so, you know, no one wants that. Everybody wants to get along. I get it. But I pray that your opinion may shift. And we're going to look at something that happened to Paul today. In fact, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're, uh, we're only going to read one, one verse because I got to give you synopsis. Because we're going to cover two whole chapters today. So I challenge you to go home. You can read the whole thing probably in four minutes or five minutes or so. But we're going to cover ch- Acts chapter 13 and 14. I'm going to give you a little, little synopsis. Because this was Paul's first missionary journey. And in his missionary journey, he faced a lot of oppositions. But I want us to look at what did he face? But also, how did he respond? We talked about how do we respond in the world as believers. Well, let's look at how Paul responded to all the opposition that he faced. Because in the way that he did, God fulfilled his promises. And really not just through him, but in the world. And it can happen the same way today. And so let's look at that. So all right, we're not going to look at a Bible verse yet because I got to give you a quick little fly through. All right. So the way it starts off is you have Paul goes on uh, one of three missionary journeys. And when we say missionary journey, he's literally just that. He's going to different towns, going to where no one has ever been before to tell them about Jesus. Or he would go to places that already had a church and he would go there to help, uh, you know, reassure them, establish them and help them to understand better, to grow in what God has done. You know, what's kind of crazy is that Paul, in all of his missionary journeys together, trekked about 10,000 miles on foot. 10,000 miles on foot. That's the equivalent of somebody walking from New York to L.A. four times. That's what Paul did back in the day. And traveling like that was expensive. Traveling like that was dangerous. That's a miracle in and of itself. And that is literally going from New York to L.A. back again four times, roughly. That's a lot. And so we're going to look at the first time. He goes, he goes on this little tour. And let me first tell you all the opposition that he faced. Already in town number one, which he went to, you know, about a handful of towns. Town number one already had a situation. And so, which was kind of cool. He finds himself, we don't know how he got himself here, but he finds himself talking to this pro-council, this, uh, you know, political figure in this uh, region, in this island off the coast of Israel. And he's talking to him about Jesus. And he's starting to like open his eyes and he's starting to believe. But then there's this person named Bar-Jesus Eliam. And uh, this guy was a sorcerer who was kind of like the right-hand man of this individual. When I say sorcerer, we're talking about this guy, demon-possessed individual. All right. I'm sure, you know, Uh, maybe we have at least one person in the family like that. We all know that person, right? And so, but this guy was, he was, and he had an issue. And what was amazing is that when he saw that the pro-council was starting to believe, you know what he did? He tried to oppose Paul to his face and he tried to kind of like block what was kind of going down. And so that's an interesting thing because guys, that's going to happen to us. I guarantee you, listen, the enemy does not like losing souls he does not like losing individuals and so and if he can't if if you're out then that's fine but he doesn't want you to help lead anyone else out and so what paul experienced is something we all experience and if you're a believer i'm sure this has happened to you maybe at one point where you're having a good conversation with somebody and then here comes somebody out of nowhere and just gets in and then tries to like mess things up you know that happens Now, Paul was unique and something kind of crazy happened there. He kind of confronted him in a bold way and uh, pretty much said, you're going to be blind for a time. And the guy literally just went from, I mean, he didn't curse him. Like we have to, you know, that's not something as believers we got to do. I'm like, listen, I'm talking to this guy about Jesus. I finally blind that guy right now. Boom. You know, that doesn't happen like that. Okay. So we can't curse people. Paul, Paul didn't do that. What Paul did was led by the spirit was something unique and saying, hey, His blindness, though he was physically fine, but he became physically blind for a minute, it was to show that he had been blind all along. And he was trying to, you know, but what I loved about Paul is that he didn't let the opposition kind of get in his way, you know? And so he still responded in love. But that happens. Sometimes, guys, we have some gospel blockers that are going to show up. And you, you may post something online and then somebody jumps in the conversation to try to mess things up, right? And so that's the thing. So that's going to happen. That happened to him. Town number one already had issues. And by the way, no matter where he went, he had an issue. Now, that was easy compared to what happens next. Guys, listen, every town that Paul goes to, it got worse and worse and worse. 
And uh, literally, it, it was just ramping up. Some of the things that happened was we had some uh, unbelieving Jews that were jealous. And so you had some others who were jealous of what was happening. And now here's Paul getting all this attention and Barnabas was with him too, getting all this attention. They were jealous and so they wanted to get in the way and they wanted to, you know, oppose Paul. And guys, listen, that happens to us too. Do you guys know that uh, study after study, secular studies show constantly that habitually it shows the mental, emotional, physical, and even financial health of believers compared to non-believers, like true Christians, not the ones who just show up and face on Sunday and do, no, the, the ones who are truly saved, tend to, their families tend to be happier, um, you know, less relation. I mean, they got problems still, but they tend to be happier despite the problems. They tend to be more, you know, mentally healthier, sometimes even physically. And so you would think, and uh, the world would be, bro, what is up with these Christians that every time we do these studies, they always come out to be better. Like, this is what we want and we don't, you would think logically, hey, let's figure it out. No, what happens is, is no, we got to tear them down. They have what we want, but they are getting it not in the way I want it. So tear it down. You see the logic there? There's none. And so, and that just shows the human heart. And that's what darkness does. It does not want light. Literally, guys, darkness, all it wants is the benefits of the light without the light. That's what we want. All people want is we want the benefits of a, a relationship with God without God. And that's what they want. And they were jealous and they didn't like, so they opposed him. At one point, it got violent. Now, maybe here today, the most that somebody will do to you is just kind of throw some, you know, Facebook comments at you, or maybe some Twitter comments at you or something. The worst you'll get probably in here in America for the most of us is more social media backlash, but not in other parts of the world. Other parts of the world, they treat them like they did here. See, one time it got, it was ramping up. Guys, listen, every town was getting worse to the point. Now it went not just verbally, but there was one, one town that they actually plotted to want to kill him. And so Paul left and they, they just kept on going. At one town though, they got his hands on him. They grabbed him, dragged him out of the city, stoned him to death, all right? Has nothing to do with blunts, all right? So all it was is they took rocks and they're literally just pummeling you. That's what they did. So this is, imagine firing squad, but with pebbles and rocks. And they're just gonna beat you with the rock, fastballs, right, until you're dead. That's what they did to Paul. And they left him for dead, walked back into the city, thinking that they did God a favor and they, you know, that's what happened. Now, he didn't die. They, it looked like, and he was up to the point of death, but he didn't die. But the thing is, guys, is that's a, a very good reality for a lot of us, that, that the opposition that we may face may not just be verbal, but in many cases, it could be physical. That happens a lot in other parts of the world. You ain't gonna see that on CNN or Fox News, all right? But it's there. Happens still today. And it happened to him. But he, you know what was amazing is Paul got right back up and walked right back into that very city. That was an amazing little move there. To be able to see that, be able to take that. And first off, I want you guys to know if they thought that he was dead, he must have been really messed up. You guys know that Paul talks about this later, that the scars from the, that moment he had with him the rest of his life. Pretty sure dude had a couple dents in his forehead at some point. I mean, that, you know, that, that's what it was. And that's what he went through. And then there was another one, and this was the probably, this one, I've been teasing this for a while, and I'm gonna finish it, I'm gonna put a bow on it in a couple of weeks. Where, uh, if you've been with us for the last three weeks, I've been mentioning the same name over and over again. Anybody remember this guy? John Mark, for those of us that have been with us for a little bit. I've been teasing you. We saw John Mark introduced. He was just this guy, he was a believer, and he had, uh, you know, they saw some potential in him for, and gotten a call on his life. And last week we talked about how they took John Mark with them back to this uh, Antioch. And by the way, Barnabas was another dude. Barnabas and Paul are on this missionary journey together. John Mark's Barnabas's cousin. And so, you know, so they're, they're related there. They go off and John Mark goes with them on this journey. But here it goes. Remember, every town it's getting worse. Every town it's getting worse. Every town it's getting worse to the point that it is violent now. And John Mark, Luke, who writes in the book of Acts, he says that, John Mark bailed. He went home. He left Barnabas, he left his cousin, and Paul all alone. And that actually 
we're going to put a bow on that in a minute, in a couple weeks. But guys, that's another reality of it, guys, is when it comes, here's Paul, and he's trying to live out his, live out his relationship with God and what God has called him to do. And those that were on his team let him down. They let him down. Could have compromised the whole thing. And so as a believers in Christ, I'm pretty sure if you've been, this one, it's going to take longer than a few minutes of being a, being a believer, but at the, you know, this, this will happen. When you got people that are with you, bro, you know, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my this, I'm, I'm with you all the way. You know, where'd you go? You know, where'd you go? It happens. Unfortunately, as a pastor, I see that way too much. All right. Uh, we, uh, I, showed, I shared a text with Alicia one time. We were talking about this. We were saying, someone says, being a pastor is learning how, um, learning how to get used to breakups. <laughs> because it's like, you're always there. Here we are. Here we are. We're there for you. We're there for you. And uh, yeah, we're gone. And which is fine. Sometimes God does that. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the interesting ones that hype you up and then turn around and then talk peste in the, you know, behind your back. And so oh, that happens. But it happens to you guys too, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you, you got one, one believer in the faith and they're with you, ride or die. And then, then oh, really? You know, that happens. Happened to him. Happened to us. Happened to Jesus, didn't it? You know, he had his one boy that was with him. And what was the one? What did he do? Betrayed him. Happened to Jesus too. Now, that's a lot of opposition. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at what, at what town where you would have turned around? Huh? At what town would you would have turned around? I'm sure many of us would have been like John Mark. I mean, like, you know what? I ain't signed up for this. All right. I'm out of here. This is, you know, they throwing rocks now, bro. What's going on? I'm like, I mean, we got rocks now. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I'm out of here. And so many of us would have been like John Mark. And so let's not, you know, throw shade on that. We would have turned around. But not only did Paul and Barnabas finish this leg of towns that they were going. Here's the awesome part. They doubled back. They went back. When they finished and got to the end, what did they do? They went back to the previous town that almost killed them to then encourage the believers. Then they went back to the other one and went back. I mean, they would run back into the fire. They didn't, you know, not go through another shortcut. They went back. And so I want us to look at a lot of now responses because opposition is going to happen. Opposition to our faith is going to happen. Jesus said himself, listen, this is, if they did this to me, what do you think they're going to do to you? All right. If they did this to me and treated me this way, it's going to happen to you. It happened to Paul and happens to us today. But let's look at how he responded. Let's look at the faithful actions that he had despite his, um, all the opposition. You know what? Chapter 13 starts the same way chapter 14 ends. I love the, when things bookend like that. The, the beginning of this whole 13 and 14, his missionary story, you know what, how it started and how it ended? The church praying and fasting together. The fact that we see prayer and fasting at the beginning and at the end shows us the importance of, listen, this is one of the key ways in which we respond and grow in our faith is through prayer. Fasting is just kind of like temporarily pausing certain things and doing something intensely to kind of grow closer to God. It's kind of like when we go on vacation, it's kind of like the way I like to describe it. When you go on vacation, what do you do? You stop doing normal things to do one unique thing for a short amount of time in hopes that your family can kind of grow closer together. I know sometimes some vacations, like, you know, maybe that doesn't work that way, but that's the goal, right? You go on vacations to hopefully as a family, you know, establish that bond through an experience. That's what we do with fasting. Fasting is nothing but pausing and kind of really focusing on God for a moment. But the fact that we see it bookended shows us the importance of prayer. And haven't I talked about, for those of you with me, help me out so I'm not a liar, didn't we talk about one of the greatest ways to grow your faith is obviously doing something so simple as prayer. And the fact that it bookends shows that this isn't something that they did once and then they did again. No, it's, it is a pattern and a lifestyle of constantly trusting in God. So we see that. The other thing that they did was they focused on God's word, what we're doing right now, guys. This is what they focused on. Paul and Barnabas didn't just roll up and say, hey, you know, uh, Jesus is coming and here's what he did. You better turn and, you know, or else. No, they didn't just do that and tell them the gospel and then run off. It actually says when you look, little by little, look at the words. I want to challenge you to read it. He says, and they took time and they took time. And in one time, and they took an extended amount of time. So when they would go to these towns, this wasn't just kind of like a weekend thing. They would spend weeks, months, multiple months, because the goal was not just for you to hear something. The goal was for you to understand. And there was a lot of people there when they would talk, you know, they wouldn't believe right away. You know what they would say? Hey, I got some questions. I got questions. Can we talk about that? 
Yeah, of course, I'll make time for some questions. And so I love that. And that's, guys, one of the things that we've mentioned, right, is how do you grow in the faith? By um, spending time in God's word, not just in prayer, but spending time in God's word. And I love that's what they did. They didn't just run off and, you know, check lists off. No, they wanted to make sure, yo, you good? You good? You good? And you know what they did on the way back? This is why they had to double back on tour. Because they doubled back on the tour because, remember, these guys were trying to kill Peter, I'm sorry, Paul and Barnabas. And so I'm pretty sure they were giving everybody else a hard time too that were left behind. And so all what Paul and Barnabas did as they came back was to encourage them, but also to re-encourage them in the truth of who God was. And so they took time. And so guys, as believers, it's important for us to take time as well. This other one, I loved it. You know what Paul didn't do? He didn't go alone. Paul and Barnabas were the tag team duo that they went together throughout this whole thing until they didn't go alone. But not only that, at the very beginning, it was a church that sent them. Oh, and it's super beautiful. I got, I got to give you this detail because you're not going to catch it if you read it. At the very beginning of Acts 13, we see a list of men and a list of people that were uh, a part of this church in Antioch. And what's so cool about this church is the, the diversity in this group, where before the church was just mainly all Jews. Now, by the way, this is around 47 AD, so it's been almost 15 years since Jesus' resurrection. You know what the church looks like now? You have Jews, you have non-Jews. You had one person who had a connection with a political connection, so this guy was an affluent, you know, upper economic probably kind of a person. And you also had somebody who, there's a, there's a term there, it's, um, it was referencing his skin tone. He's black. And so you have black and white and every color in between. You have a multi, literally multi-congregation right here within 15 years. And so it's really awesome to see that. And so what I loved is that this church, they, they loved them and they sent them out and they went together. This wasn't a solo mission. And guys, as a believers, I want you guys to know one of the great ways to grow in your faith is to not do it alone. It's to not do it alone. This is what the church is for. This is why I do this and not just do a Facebook Live or Instagram Live by myself in my living room. If I did that, you know, I would be like the Zoom ones, right? You know, I'd be my jammies on the bottom. You know, I'd be nice on top, jammies on the bottom. That's what I would do. I know y'all have done that, all right? I know you guys did that. And so that's what I would do. But guys, why are we doing this? Why do we do it in person? Why do we do things to interact and to, to step out of rows and into circles? Because we're not supposed to do this alone. They didn't do it. And I, I love this, this detail as well. Guys, what would you have done if you would have saw me right now? Let's say somebody just pummeled me with rocks where I stand. Some of you, hopefully you would tackle the guy at least, okay? Hopefully you would tackle the guy at least. I'm like, yo, come on, do you not seek? You know, do you not seek? You know, go get him. All right, hopefully you had at least done that. Maybe some of y'all would have just bolted Yo, I'm next, you know, maybe I'm next. I won't be next. Listen, listen, what when Paul was pummeled to the point of death, it actually says that the disciples, when they left him for dead, the disciples gathered around him. They didn't turn and run thinking if they did that to him, if they got Paul, what are they going to do to me? They gathered around him. More than likely, helped him up. And I am pretty sure Paul did not walk alone back into that city. That whole squad went with him. That's what it's like. When we see one of our own going through it, right? We don't just talk about it. Talk to others about it or be like, you know, you're on your own, dog. And I was like, we rally around each other and encourage one another, love one another, bear that burden together. No, you're not alone in this. That's what we saw there. And then the last one, which is, again, a detail that you wouldn't know unless I told you because it's a cultural thing. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, at one point, they shook the dust off their feet. So you kind of get the equivalent of, you know, if you ever ever had a dog that went to the bathroom, right? It was like, you know, kind of like one of those moments. You ever had one of those dogs that did that? And so that's kind of what they did. They shook the dust just off their feet. And what they did was it's something Jesus told them to do. Like, literally, he was just something sent and... By the way, that was an act of judgment. So if you, ca if you, you know, did that, it was an act of judgment, meaning you're on your own, bro. And you only do it for those people who did not want to hear. They did not want to listen. They didn't want to have a conversation. All they wanted to do was pick a fight. 
Paul would say things and talk to us believers. He would say, listen, Christians, don't get caught up in all these conversations that are fruitless. Like you're all debating about the dumbest, silliest things. Don't get caught up in that fight. That's not the fight you're supposed to have. So when they shook the dust off their feet, you know what that tells us? That we need to know when not to engage. Feel me on that? That's a big one, guys. What they did was, oh, listen, all right, look, I'm not trying to beat you in the face with it. I'm not trying to guilt trip you with it. If, if, there's, if we can't have an honest conversation about it, then you know what? Then okay, we don't have to talk about it. Just, you know, all right, moving on. You know, I'll move on. And so guys, as believers, I want to challenge you. You don't got to win every single, you don't got to win every single thing because listen, we're called to win souls, not win debates. You feel me on that? We're called to win souls, not win debates. And so sometimes you need to know, all right, I can't go there with you yet. And you just find, and the Holy Spirit will lead you on what to do, where to go, how to engage in love and in grace. And so it doesn't mean we dismiss them as like, you're dead to me, bro. No, it's not like that neither, okay? We don't just write people off like that. No, it's just, I know, I know that, all right, I love you, and I'm just going to find a different way around it, okay? So those are all these faithful actions, but then it comes to the highlight, the climax. And when you read 13 and 14, it all kind of climaxes into this one Bible verse, the one that we're going to read today. And here, Paul is going back. This is what Paul says as he's doubling back on tour. Remember, he's everybody who knows, everybody knows, and they saw how people were treating him, how they were reacting. And so Paul had one message when he showed up to every town. And it was a message of Jesus that there is a God who loves us and made it possible for us to have life and made it possible for us to have hope, to be restored back to the living God, our creator, that we can actually have a relationship with him despite any of these obstacles. They've all been removed because of what Jesus did on the cross and through the grave. That was his message going one way in the town. The message going back was different. You want to read the message? It was short. Ready? So here's the one verse that we're going to read, Acts 14. Verse 22, strengthening the disciples who were in all of the towns, strengthening all those who believed, he encouraged them to do what? Continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. And what was his rallying cry? What was his, the way that he would inspire everybody to, you know, continue in the faith and what God has done? He tells them, it's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That sounds like the most depressing sermon ever, okay? Doesn't that? Like, yo, what, what, you know, I'm here to encourage you in your faith. Listen, it ain't gonna be easy. Just keep going, right? And that's, that was it. That was the message that he gave them. It's you will experience many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And this was meant to encourage them. This was meant to encourage them. Now, if you were me and, and, and I was asking, if I were you and I would ask this question, hold on, because he said some very specific things. First off, why does it have to be difficult, A, and B, why is it necessary? You know, this isn't an option. Like, this isn't optional for us. Why is it necessary? Hardships. And the hardships, guys, I explained to you. We're not just talking about difficulties because, you know, wickedness and just jerks and, and you know, that's, that's one thing, okay? The hardships he's talking about, listen, are being opposed just because you're a believer in Christ. Having that stigma, and that could happen not just at your workplace, that can happen any place, that can happen in your home, it can happen there, where you have opposition even inside of your own home, by your own kids, by your own spouse, by relatives, it can be anybody. And so why do we have hardships? Well, here's, here's why, guys. And this is why I, I title the sermon a certain way. Hard hearts produce hard times. The reason why we experience hardships because of our faith is because there are people who have hardened their hearts towards God. That's what it is. They've just, their hard hearts produce hard times. And you can actually just zoom out even more. And you can say all of the wicked things, all of the things that you hate about this world, all the things that you hate about people when we see it and we look at things like this shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't be this way. Why is this? Why that? Again, when we look at the shooting and stuff like that, it's another one. Why does it have to? We all recognize and we all have one thing in common. We all look at that and says, this isn't right. Do you notice? 
The whole world has been saying, all of the, you know, all the country has been saying the same thing all week. This isn't right, right? Where do we get that sense of right from? We know because there's something that's deep down that God has done, but then it's the after everything else, that's where we kind of lose it. That's everything else is where we lose it. And, and the thing is, guys, we begin to, you know, again, criticize this and criticize that. Well, we criticize Christians or criticize this. It's that political party. No, it's that one. And when we start pulling all these fingers, we start pulling all these fingers. But here's the reality of it all, guys, is that we are all, each and every one of us, and I've been there too, we are all quick to criticize the evil out there, but we want to make excuses for the evil in here. That's all of us. And that's why we have hard times. That's why we experience hard times. That is the equivalent of a hard heart. Man, look at that person. That person's all full of themselves. That person's that. That person's this. Well, what about you? Man, no, I'm good. Mind your business, right? And so that's the thing. We want to criticize all of the evil in the world, yet we make excuses for the evil in our hearts. And so if we ask, where was God? Where's God? Why isn't God doing anything? Man, if he did something right now, you're toast, literally. Like if he did something, you got no hope. And so that's the problem that, again, hard hearts don't understand. And then those hard hearts produce even harder times. And, that, and that's the reality of it. And as believers, guys, we have to be very cautious. And, and any time we want to even uh, you know, be critical of God, that's what we need to pause. And we need to be very cautious, but we, we tread on, on some thin ice. Because when we want to look to God and criticize God, can you... <laughs> You are literally judging God in the moment based on your feelings. Yikes, that's not going to end well for you. You know, and as believers, can, can I pause and help you to understand? It's one thing to wrestle with God on something. Like, God, why? Like, I don't understand. And it's, it's okay to wrestle with God. It is okay. But it is, be cautious when you find yourself not answering why with an open heart. And even with the fist, but you're trying to like grab a hold of him. Versus one of just like, ugh. because now you find yourself judging God based on your view, based on your opinions, based on your feelings. That's not a good place to be. That's not a good place to be. But with this, guys, we, again, we see hard hearts produce hard times. And Paul, he understood it. This was, again, trip number one, he experienced it. But you know what? I know I noticed how I told you that every place where he went in town one, it, it got worse and worse and worse. Well, round two, uh, it got worse. Round three, it, it was getting crazy. And at the end of his life, I, I don't have the screen. I don't have this on the screen for you, but I'm going to read it for you. At the end of Paul's life, he begins to write to his friend named Timothy. Timothy was somebody that he just kind of took under his wing and kind of became uh, like a spiritual father to him, uh, probably even like a de facto like kind of stepdad, you know, to a certain extent, because he didn't have that uh, father figure in his life. So he, he became a father figure for him. And Paul is arrested and he knows his time is short. Years have gone by. And now he knows and he's about to face his own demise. He's about to be executed for his faith. And Paul usually regularly writes to the church in Corinth. He would tell him, listen, like all the things that he went through. I mean, it was a lot. You would have thought just, you know, the first round, but no, it, it was crazy. But look at what Paul says. I'm going to just read it to you. He's telling his protege. He's trying to encourage him in the faith. He says, yo, my race is over. You're still running. Let me encourage you with these words. And he says in, in chapter three, I'm going to read it to you guys. I'm going to read verse 10 all the way through chapter four, verse five says, Paul, an old man, Paul, is telling Timothy, you have followed me all these years, my teachings, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my love, my passion, my, my patience, and my endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Those were the towns in round one that we talked about. What persecutions I've endured. And yet, here's the good news, the Lord rescued me through them all. In fact, all who, wanted to, all who want to live a godly life will experience persecution. I'm going to read that one again. He says, uh, says uh, and yet he rescued me. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not just physically, but even spiritually. Listen again, the enemy doesn't want anybody. Ain't no demons out there that want to see people looking like and acting more like Jesus. And so there's opposition and you're going to find one way or another and so that's just what is invited. This happens. You know, some of y'all are like, yo, 
why did I show up today? This is weird. I'm, go ahead, just give me a second. Give me five more minutes. Hold on. But look, he says, uh, this will happen. I want to live a godly life. Where are you going to be persecuted? Evil people, imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, look at this word he says, continue. Same word he told everybody else. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But I've been there. I've been through it. And it's worth it. He says, so continue. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and those uh, from your infancy that you taught you the sacred scriptures, which are able to save you and, and give you wisdom for salvation through Jesus Christ. For all scripture is inspired by God, profitable, profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped to do the work that he's given you. So I solemnly charge you, he says, again, look at this other one, just passionately and just with every word, before God in Christ, who is going to judge the living and the dead. Because of his appearance in the kingdom, he says, preach the word. Tell other people about him. Be ready in season and out of season when you feel like him when you're not. Rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. For a time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the truth. Again, hard hearts. But according to their own desires, they're going to multiply teachers that want to tell them what they want to hear. They will turn away from the hearing of the truth and will turn aside to myths. But for you. They say, listen, if that's what they do, that's what they do. But for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardships. There it is again. And do the work of the evangelist, meaning tell people about Jesus and fulfill your ministry, fulfill your calling, fulfill your purpose. And so there's that thing again. You would think out of a whole life, at the end of his life, Paul would have been like, you know what? I think I should have chose a different career path. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I got this back issue now. I still got this dent from that one time. I look like an idiot. You know, everyone keeps on asking me about it. You know, you would have thought that at the end of his life, after all that he went through, he would have been like, listen, Timothy, let me kind of share you some mistakes so you can avoid what I... No, what did he tell him? Listen, I've been through hell and back, and it was worth every minute of it. To be able to know to suffer for Christ in that way. Now, it doesn't mean that we all have to, all right? I'm here to tell you that now. When Paul was telling him, hey, you got to suffer in order to enter, it doesn't mean that you got to suffer for your faith in order to be saved. No, because that's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus suffered for the penalty of our sin. So you don't have to suffer for your sin to get in. You don't have to like pay God back that way. No, what he's saying is that that's just the reality of it, guys. You are inviting a kind of a conflict. If you choose Christ because this is real, there is a real enemy out there that wants to keep people in the dark away from God. But how do we respond? And so I believe this, there's one lesson, if we can put it up, this is the one lesson I think we can all take as Christians. This is how we respond to difficulties is this. Listen, how a Christian goes through hard times actually can soften hard hearts. Guys, I want you to just linger on that for a minute. Because listen, I'm telling you, people are watching. So for the parents that still got kids that live in the, in, in, with you, your kids are watching. They study you more than you think, all right? They know you better than you probably know them. If you still got people, if you got a spouse that's a non-believer, this matter. You got neighbors that are non-believers. You got co-workers. You got, listen, they see you. They see what's coming out of your mouth. They see, you know, you know, if you're complaining or your attitudes and whatnot, they're watching. They see you. But I want you guys to know that how a Christian goes through hard times actually is what can soften a hard heart. Because it is not normal. Guys, our response is important. It helps them to understand not only when we go through things, our attitude, but especially when we are opposed because of our faith. Now, I didn't ask permission, so forgive me. I'm going to make this person anonymous. I totally forgot, but I'm going to use a story. But there's a funny little mug, coffee mug. I should buy it. It says, be careful if you talk to the pastor because your life may be a sermon analogy. So um, uh, I'm going to share somebody. The person's in the house, so I'm not going to say their name, but it's, it's, it's fine. So uh, they were telling me on how they went out for a prayer walk one time, and they were in a park, and they were just praying. And then out of nowhere, someone kind of runs up to them and is saying, hey, can you help me? I think my wife is, looks like she's having a heat stroke, all right? And, uh, but the word that the person used was that she's overheating. It's like, is she a car, bro? I was like, that's what it sounded like. I'm like, she's overheating. She's having a heat stroke. And so she runs over and she, you know, trying to get her some water. And then, you know, is everything okay? And she looks like, you know, she's, that's what's happening, right? She's overheating. And, um, and so she says, can I pray for you? Sure. 
She goes, in Jesus' name, stop right there. All right, that was it, right? Am I getting it right? And so, and so she goes, stop right there. You're done. <laughs> okay, I don't want it. You're, no more. That's it. But I, could you imagine how, how she responded? Is huge because listen, the way you respond actually says a lot, guys. It says a lot. You know what she uh, what she did was, oh, she knew when to okay dust the feet off. She knew. I was like, oh, okay. Well, all right, just walked away. You okay? Okay, cool. Uh, you know, she prayed for her in her head, in her heart, right? As she walked away. But let me tell you, that was huge. The fact that she just said Jesus, even that was great, and the way she responded because she was rude, right? She was rude to her but she was kind in response. Do you, do you not, I don't know, but you know, what if? That, that, that could have been an amazing seed that was planted. Hey, I had an interesting conversation with a Christian today, you know, and she was nice. You never know where that could lead. You know what she, you know, I'm glad she didn't do, was when she would have prayed, I was like, oh, you know, in Jesus' name, I'm like, oh, no, you're done. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Then uh, overheat then, all right? Like, like I could care less. That's what you want to do? Overheat then, all right? Oh, and by the way, you know where else it's hot? You know where else it's hot? Where you're going, all right? Bye, I'm leaving. You know that's what she could have done? That's what she could have done, but she didn't. Now, can I tell you which one was the better response? Could you imagine if she would have responded that way? Then the story is, huh, I had a conversation with a Christian today. Huh, let me tell you. Those guys are nuts. Versus, I had an interesting conversation with a Christian today, and she was nice. I kind of was rude to her, but she was nice back. Guys, even, see, do you see what I'm saying? That how we go through hard times, even when we have that opposition, how we go through hard times is what softens a human heart. You know why? Because it reveals the thing that's inside. The cracks and the brokenness and the scars reveal the hope and the joy and the peace and the life that we have inside. When people look at us and they're like, wait a minute, that's what I want. How do you have it? I got more, I got half the issues you have. Yeah, how can you smile? How do you have this hope? How do you have this peace? Do you see what I'm saying, guys? When we go through hard times, it shows others it shows others the hope that we have. And can I tell you, isn't that why we believe, for those of us that have, isn't that why we believe in Jesus? Not one person here who is a born again believer, not one of you have been born again and trusted your faith in God because of some wisdom life tips that you read in the Bible. You know what, that Jesus, he got, he got some good, you know, got a nice way of talking. He got a nice way of talking. There's some things about that, I really like that. You know what? Sign me up. I'm in. I'm a believer. I'm all right. I'm a team. I'm team Jesus now. I like I like some of those lessons. I, I like I like what he says. No. For all my for all my brothers and sisters, you didn't believe because of what he said. You believed because he bled. Right? You believed because he bled. You believed because of what he did on the cross. You believed that he didn't have to and he chose to. That's why you believe. What you, this is, you love me this much that you paid the pen, my penalty. This was, if I'm a sinner and this is what you did for me because of your love for me, that he suffered the penalty of all of our sins collectively combined on one person in one moment. That's what hit him on the cross. Tell me if you are a believer in Christ, it's because of what he did. Not so much of what he said, it's what he did. And when he conquered the grave, why? Listen, Jesus didn't suffer for his own sin. Who was he suffering for? Us. And so in his suffering, you saw the hope. So guys, when we suffer for Christ, we don't suffer for our sake. We suffer for the sake of someone else. We suffer for the sake of someone else. We're not going through it just because we deserve it. No, we go through it. So that in the process, real suffering people see us suffering and see why are you responding different? It's because of Jesus. And so how we respond softens human hearts, guys. It does. Our kindness, it was Jesus' kindness that led us to repentance. And it's the same way, our kindness, towards the way we interact and love and encourage. And that is how we do it. So listen, if you're a believer now, I'm going to wrap this up. If you're a believer, let me tell you who you are. You're a missionary too. 
I know maybe sometimes if you're a Christian, you may think, well, now the missionary is the guy who's living all footless, you know, not footless, you know, shoeless all there, walking with his dirty feet up in a hut somewhere, you know, with some throat female. That's what he is, right? That's, that's that person eating bugs and stuff. That's a missionary. Can it be? Yes. It doesn't have to be. We're all missionaries. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has commissioned you. In John 20, 21, Jesus says, I give you peace and I send you. You guys are sent. You don't have to just be a, you don't have to cross the sea to be a missionary. You can just cross the street. You can go down the hall to your own house. You are a missionary in your own home. You're a missionary in your block, in your neighborhood. If you go to school, that school where you're going to go to school, you are a missionary in that school. You are a missionary at your job. And even when you go out and about and you're at town, you're at Publix, you're at this, you're at whatever, it doesn't turn off. God has given you a calling to love and be able to shine your light. That is who you are. You are a missionary too. And, and I love the way, instead of, um, instead of saying the word sent, can I use a different word? I'm going to say the word deployed, right? This is Memorial Day weekend. And what are we celebrating on Memorial Day weekend? People who were deployed, not against their will, but people who signed up to say, I'm willing to suffer for the sake of someone else. I'm willing to suffer for the sake of someone else, and at the result of their death, we have life and freedom. So guys, works the same way as believers. You're not, you're not just sent, no, you are deployed into all these places. And based on the way you live, it could lead to the spiritual freedom of someone else. That's why we go through all of this. That's why we do what we do. We should not be ashamed of the one who bore our shame on the cross. Why would we be? Why would we be? Why would we be ashamed of the one who bore our shame on the cross? Nothing. It is, you know, I, I don't know about you, if you've ever been to school and sometimes, you know, you, you've ever had to like associate with somebody and be like, hey, you friends with that person? Man, no, nah, I ain't friends with that person. Right? Because you don't want the association. Because you don't want them to look at you a kind of way. I'm like, yeah, that's my friend. And what? You know, it is what it is. Some, you know, we play that game with Jesus. You Christian? Nah, let's see what it is. This is what I do. You know, I kind of do this and that. But, oh, you one of those? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my friend. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. That's my God. And what? And what? That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. And you can do that in love and boldness and confidence. That's what it is. And so if you are a believer, I'm here to tell you, you aren't a missionary. And that doesn't turn off. You don't clock in and clock out. You are on a journey from here to the point you get to your new home in eternity. That's where it is. You are in a constant mission. You are deployed until the mission is over. Now, if you're not a believer, I know, here it is. Some of you be like, all right, man. I, I, if you find, first off, the fact that y'all are still sitting here says a lot. Online, there's some people that could have even easily bailed and they can't, you know, I can't tell. But this could be weird, right? I'm like, all right, pastor. <laughs> why, would I, why would I want to believe to begin with? I mean, you, you ain't really pitching a story here. You know, you're not putting it down center for me to knock it out. You know, why would I want to believe if you're telling me being a believer is going to cause more problems in my life? I got enough, right? I got enough problems in my life. Why do I want to be a believer then? And so, all right, let me ask you a question. All right, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, I'm going to say it one way and I'll rephrase it. Is it, better to sin, is it better to live in sin without Christ or to suffer with Christ? Is it better to live in sin without Christ or is it better to suffer with Christ? Let me remix that. Is it better to, let's say you have cancer. Is it better to deal with cancer or grow through the chemo? Some of us, we've been, we've had some testimonies. We know what that's like, the chemo and the medicines. It's not easy, isn't it? It's hard. But what's better? Is it better just to deal with the cancer and let it do, its, let it do what it does or go through the chemo? Guys, that's exactly what we have, what God calls us to. Yeah, there is a form of suffering that we have to go through, but it's a suffering that brings healing in our hearts, that draws us closer to God and makes a difference in somebody else's life. And I love the way Spurgeon says it. He says, suffering is better than sinning. Because let me tell you, if you, if you want to avoid suffering, that's a sin. It's kind of like saying, you know, oh, yeah, I don't know that Jesus all right, listen, suffering is better than sinning. There is more evil in one drop of sin than in an ocean of affliction. Better to burn for Christ than to turn from him. It is better to burn for Christ than to turn from Christ. And also, I'll tell you this way. I'm like, well, it sounds like that's a lot of suffering. And like, you're not already? 
and like you're not? So the, you know, Christians are the only ones who suffer? No, all of us do. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, sorry, for those online watching this later, even watching now, only God knows. I know you're suffering because that's normal. That's what sin does. Sin produces that. And it produces all these, you know, like, like a lot of our man-made medicines, right? Hey, take this one pill. It comes with like 10 after effects and you might die. But hey, it, it's, it's good, right? You've seen the commercials. Everybody's happy and dancing and like, you know. And then there's like 20,000 things that can go wrong with that one medication. But everyone's smiling and fit, whatever. And so... Guys, look, it's the same thing. Man-made stuff, man-made stuff. It may fix this, but triggers that. It fix this and triggers that. It fix this and triggers something else. But the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can actually get to the root and cause of what it does. And it doesn't cause a negative consequence. It does not. And so I know you're suffering now. But here's the problem. You're suffering alone, though. You're suffering alone in your anxiety and your fear and your worry and your depression and your, in your lack of self-esteem, in your, in your identity crisis. You suffer alone. You suffer already. So when I ask you and when Paul says and when Christ invites you to be able to step into a different suffering, it's really inviting the Lord to step in the suffering with you. That's what he wants to do. So you're not alone anymore. Listen, Paul said, it is necessary to endure hardship to enter the kingdom, right? Well, it was necessary for Jesus to endure hardship so that we can enter in. And it's necessary, in order to enter in, it's necessary for you to believe that. That this is what, this is the God that is inviting me. This is who's calling me. Believe that and then endure that. Jesus never said, Jesus never said life is going to be easy. Never in this book does it say life is going to be easy. Never. But we have example after example after example where it says, but it's worth following a worthy Savior. It's not easy, but it's worth it. He makes the difference. He will make the difference. It is not easy, but it's worth it. Why? Because God is worthy. He is worthy of it all. The one who, again, bore our shame. And what did what was necessary so that you can I, and you and I can enter in. And that's what we need to understand and appreciate. And for some of us even enter in right now. I know that at the beginning of today, I was talking about something shifting. And not only was I hoping that, let's say, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that your opinion shifts about being bold in your faith and being unashamed and apologetic. And I know that you're probably gonna have some hesitation because you don't know much. And you know what, that could be fixed. It's called just learn more, right? It, it just means just getting into God's word more, tackling those difficult questions, looking to other Christians who have answered some of the tough questions that you're afraid to answer. Listen, there are answers out there. And I pray for the other. I pray that something shifted in you. If you are not a believer, and I pray that you are, I pray that something shifted in you and that you began to see your suffering Savior that is willing and desiring to step in to your suffering and do a work in and through you to set you free. Listen, you are suffering more than you can ever imagine. And if you're not, that's the thing. The enemy wants you to be numb to the issues so that you don't truly feel a need for God. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is showing you that. And I pray that you may shift all of yourself into the loving hands of Jesus Christ.